Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. Here he comes. Here he comes. If the feeling you've been Okay, future is coming right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Beneath the Surface here at WCAP Radio 980 in your dial. Welcome. Glad you could join us tonight. We are here. That is, we are here beneath the surface. Every Monday evening between 10 and 11 p.m., Bringing a little sanity into our age of insanity, a little life into our culture of death. Tonight, ladies and gentle things, we delve beneath the surface on the question of heaven. What is it, and how do you get there? Um, if there is a more important question to ask than that, I want you to give me a call at 978-454-4980. And if there isn't, I want you to give me a call at 978 978- Four five four four nine eight zero. Anytime within this hour, so that you can join us in our conversation about the all-important topic of eternal life. Does it exist? What is it? And how do you get there? And before I introduce my guest, let me introduce Cindy behind the glass. Cindy, how are you doing this week? Doing great. How are you doing? Fantabulous. Have you seen any uh, Christmas um, shows at all on television this uh, season yet? Not yet. No? No, you know which one I saw? And it reminds me of what Tom Duggan used to call you? Rudolph. (laughs) No, he didn't call you Rudolph. (laughs) He used to call you Cindy Lou Who. Remember that? I hate that. Don't do that. (laughs) Oops, I didn't say it. Was that you, John? I didn't say it. It it, it weren't me. Yeah. Well, anyway, I saw the Grinch. I saw the Grinch who stole Christmas. And, uh... I did not see the cartoon version. That uh, is occurring, actually, this Saturday evening. But I did see the movie version with... Do you know who starred in it? Mr. Jim Carrey. Yes, Jim Carrey himself. It was good. It was a good, uh, it was a good rendition of the cartoon, I thought. It, uh, they, they, did it, they did it justice. But anyway, we are here. You are there. We are both communicating because you are listening to me. And let me introduce to you the one who you've already heard, but will be joining us for the next hour. Here he is, your guest and mine, the one, the only, Mr. John Tudorus. 
Hello, hello, Mr. Paul. How are you today? Complain, I can't. Yourself? Complain not I either. That is very good. All right, so, Mr. John, first of all, you are um, a, a man of wisdom. Uh, sometimes. Yes, a truth seeker. Uh, not as often as I should be. And somebody who loves the true, the good, and the beautiful. I should I should hope I do more than I do now. <laughs> well, now that now that we understand who you are and what your values are, do you seek to go to heaven? I I I really would like to. Yes. You really would. I really really would, uh, okay. but I often often fall short. Okay. So you're not a materialist. You believe that um, heaven exists. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, and th- so the. The human person, um, this this earthly life that we live on now is just sort of the beginning of life. Is that it? Sort of the jump-off points? It's like the training wheels. The training wheels of life. So after the grave, we experience something much greater, something much better, uh, hopefully, and obviously something much longer since it never ends. Yes. All right. But not length as far as we know it. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this question. Um, if you believe that there is a life after this life on Earth, do you believe there was a life before this life on Earth? No, okay. I do not. I believe this is the one-shot deal. So then, you don't believe in what some people with Eastern philosophies might might believe that have a dualistic understanding of the human person, that's um, souls pre-exi- pre-exist bodies. You don't believe that. No, no. Okay. That's, that's not to say that the creator of the soul does not know from all eternity uh, that that person. Uh, you mean you mean every person uh, is in the the eternal mind of God? Exactly. But the existence, the the actual existence of a person, does not precede his conception in his mother's womb. Is that is that fair to say? That is correct. That's very fair to say. Okay. So then. God, when God uses the human instruments as his, as his instruments in creating the body, he simultaneously creates or infuses the human soul into the conceptus, and there we have a human person. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. At the moment of, conce- at the moment of uh, conceptus? <laughs> uh, Say that five uh, times fast. Uh, All right, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So no. At the, so at the moment of conception, it's not just the the physical uh, person that starts. It's the as far as the material part. It's actually the entire person, including the animating soul as well. Okay. As we know, the the embryo from the very beginning is animated and growing. Correct. Even though completely dependent on his mother's body. That doesn't mean that he's not an, uh, not a uh, a unique individual human being, member of the human species. Yes, and okay. one could actually argue that at least for a few years after their birth, they're also dependent upon their mother's body as well. Yeah, and as we continue um, uh, into the 21st century, that dependence seems to get longer and longer. Uh, uh, prolonged adolescence uh, okay. goes a long time. <laughs> All right, but anyway, the point I'm making is that this earthly life, as important as it is, begins in our conception, but you think, as a metaphor, that life in the womb is to what life outside of the womb is, that earthly life is to what heaven will be. I would say that's a very good and fair analogy. Yeah? 
Yes, yes I would. I mean, so much is that when someone is in the womb, there is formation that is going on before they can actually come out of the womb. Yes. And, of course, with all analogies, there's, there's no perfect correlation, but it, it, the overall general sense of it does hold. So then you would say that this life that we have for, for, for a few decades, maybe eight or nine if we're lucky, uh, is a time of formation? Oh, oh yes. And, you know, it's sad as many people don't think of it that way or, or don't, uh, don't even realize that it, it is actually just that. Uh, they, the extent of their, their belief and their understanding of a human existence is that that's it. Yeah. Uh, this is it. Or, or they, they may have some sense that there is an afterlife, but, you know, all dogs go to heaven. Everyone goes to heaven. I, you know, I was just about to, t- um, that was my next question. I was waiting for you to end your sentence. We seem to live simultaneously in a culture today that is an everybody gets a trophy culture and an everybody goes to heaven culture. And I kind of think they're correlated. Um, if you go to uh, Awake, for example. Um, Uncle Bob's playing golf in the sky with the angels playing their harps. Well, no, he's not, getting a hole in one every time. Not just that, but um, he's in a better place. Yeah. Or he's in heaven. Uh, it's, it's good that he's no longer suffering because now he's at peace. All of these phrases that people use, um, how do they know? They actually, they don't. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, we, we can. There's a certain proje- trajectory. As of a person's life, you mean? Exactly, exactly. But the, the general problem with what you brought up is that many people think just because someone dies, they go to heaven. Well, they, what is heaven then? Just uh, does that give you automatic entrance into heaven just because you die, or is heaven a natural consequence of life's choices? Yeah, and what would you say? I mean, there, there's the whole moral realm, of course. Yes. What, you know, whether you choose good or evil throughout your life, in the small choices and in the large choices. But isn't there a an ultimate choice here being made as to whether you want to be in union with? have a right relationship with the Creator or not? Isn't that sort of underlying the whole thing? Oh, it absolutely is underlying the whole thing. I, I mean, heaven itself isn't just a, a general place that people go to when they transition mm. off of this mortal coil yeah. just just because. So, uh, you know, for example, maybe in ancient, uh, uh, you know, ancient Greece, they had uh, Hades, the abode right. of the dead, where everyone would go regardless of who you were. Right. So it's just another transit, uh, another place that you might go to. Right. Whereas uh, in in the uh, Judeo-Christian sense, in, in Judeo, uh, you know, not always consistent as much as on the Christian sense, that if someone actually dies, there really is only two ultimate destinations. It's uh, part of uh, we call the four last things, and I think we yeah. actually did a show on that a while back. Yeah, uh, where we talk about there's death, so that's the first part, yeah. and judgment. So there's a particular judgment of a soul, uh, and in that judgment itself isn't so much God judging us; rather, we present ourselves before God, who is truth, and then naturally from there we actually place ourselves in one of two camps, and uh, automatically, and that would either be Heaven, yep. which, which is union with God, or hell, which is rejection of God. So if someone in this life, for example, 
has no desire to be with God and then they ultimately die, God in in his perfect love and perfect uh, generosity and actually mercy will not force someone to be in heaven with him, to be in that union with him if they don't want him. It's actually it would actually be far worse for them to be put into that place with him. So he actually honors their their decision and lets them go to where they actually ultimately desire to go to, which is away from him in their own place, hell. Uh, just like he, he honored Adam and Eve's um, uh, choice at the That's beginning right. of, of, of uh, humanity. Let me, let me unpack some of what you said there. Um, first of all, you went back to the ancient Greeks, and we can throw in a lot of ancient peoples, like the ancient Israelites with, with um, Sheol, yes. the abode of the dead, the ancient Greeks with Hades, you know, the river Styx, uh, the, the Oriental religions uh, with uh, ancestor worship. There seems to be, from the beginning of mankind, a recognition, um, universally, doesn't matter where you live or what century you lived in, recognition universally that, that there is something invisible within the human person that survives bodily death. Oh, goodness, yes. Uh, you know, for example, Aristotle, I think we brought this up in a few mm-hmm. prior shows, uh, believed the human soul to actually be immortal. So upon death, yeah. it's not even though the material body dies, the soul itself would actually continue on as a disembodied soul. Right, and with the, with the ancient Greeks, they, they philosophically came up with a, a way to explain why they believe that there is a part of us that continues to live on, because the part of us that is able to have reason and free will, which rises above our physiological selves that animals don't have and that plants don't have, um, that's not a physiological thing. That's a spiritual thing, and spirit doesn't have body, which disintegrates and decays, so it is simple and it lives after, it continues to survive after bodily death. So that seems to be a universal belief from the beginning of mankind. Um, but as you had mentioned, or as, as you didn't mention, but I'll mention, many of those ancient beliefs in this afterlife was a, short, a sort of shadowy existence kind of a, a depressing existence where these shadow figures would, you, you can almost hear them moaning um, it, it's, it was almost like a half dead kind of existence in the quote unquote underworld that was seen in places like Hades and Sheol well th- that's right there, there wasn't the, uh, you know, the, the Christian or post-Christian idea uh, of their, their sort of being hmm. this joyful place, if you will. For, for right. example, even in the Norse uh, Norse mythology, which would be considered, uh, you know, post-Christian, uh, unlike the Greek pantheon, which is pre-Christian, uh, there they have this idea of Valhalla, which is very interesting. Uh, you know, so the Valhalla is sort of like this good place for the dead, even though they hmm. had their uh, general place itself. Yeah, well, well, you, you have a little of that too in, with the Jews, with uh, Abraham's bosom. Yes, as as spoken about in the New Testament, rock my soul to the bosom of Abraham. Rock where my the soul. these uh, these disembodied souls go to Sheol, but there are two parts of apparently two parts of Sheol. One is more for the the souls of the just waiting for the Messiah Savior, and the others were souls of the unjust, and they were more in a bad, a worse place. But when Christianity came, um the ultimate test was now made clear. And what I mean by that is um, that pre-Christians had a more fuzzy view of to choose good or evil. Uh, But Christians 
had the incarnate God. God came down, took on a human nature, uh, showed us what a human being is, how to live, and, and what it means to be in right relationship with God. And now the, the choice is much clearer, I think, for humanity. You either choose God, which is heaven, or you reject God, which is hell. Heaven is infinitely better than places like Sheol and uh, Hades. Hell seems to be infinitely worse yes. than those places. You know what I mean? So that, that the choices become clearer, but the consequence are the, the, the choices, the objects of the choices themselves become more extreme, if you will. Oh, yes. I would completely agree. To be ultimate happiness or ultimate misery. Ultimate misery heaven, and despair. Heaven yes. or hell. We'll get into that a lot more when we come back from this break. You're listening to Beneath the Surface here at WCAP Radio. I'm Paul Morano, as usual. My guest this week, Mr. John Tudoris. We'll be right back. We're back. <clears throat> we is back. Glad you could join us. Beneath the Surface, WCAP. Paul Morano, along with my guest John Tudoris, talking about heaven. What is it? How do you get there? John, uh, during the break, you had mentioned that we yesterday we began a new liturgical season called Lent. Excuse me, <laughs> we're in Advent. Well, Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that and well, how that relates to our topic tonight? Well, that's actually the uh, the Lent part is actually what Advent used to be known more as. Uh, it was uh, commonly called Little Lent, ah. uh, right? Because it's in its uh, there's two uh, in, as far as Christianity goes. For those who aren't aware, there's two general penitential seasons. What, now tell tell people what that means. And what that basically means is uh, think of it as a training, right, for a sport. So you have an end goal. Mm-hmm. And and so you you do a little training for that. So in in the in the case of Christians, these uh, training periods or these penitential periods are are commonly associated with a little extra prayer, uh, fasting, almsgiving, uh, and those are common characteristics that are associated with it. Uh, Lent is a little longer and is a little more formal right now, at least in uh, what we call the uh, the Latin right church or the Western church. Yeah, and the notion is that you're preparing for something that comes at the end of these seasons. Exactly. So right? in the case of Advent, yeah. of course, uh, the, the end of Advent, we have Christmas. Yes. And so we, we remember, actually, the birth of Christ. Yes. But one reason why we actually look back towards the birth of Christ is actually so that we can look forward to the second coming of Christ and prepare for that. Uh, and so that's really, so the second coming of God, and of course... Now, really, what it, what is that? And that's God uh, and the whole world, really, uh, Jesus coming a second time, the whole world really being transformed. Yeah, uh, okay, well, well let's, uh, let's delve into beneath the surface uh, as to what you're saying here. So, you believe, and so has Western civilization all the way up until recently, believe that the invisible... Almighty creator of the universe who created everything that there is out of nothing became a part of his creation. Yes. He chose to it's sort of like a um, an author who writes himself into his own novel. 
That's a good analogy. A painter who paints himself into into the own, his own picture, just like Norman Rockwell. <laughs> so, so God Himself came down from heaven, took on a human nature, became a part of His own creation, in as much as He was both God and man at the same time, two natures, one person, one divine person, in order to save us from sin. And of course, this is what Christianity is, is centered around. Um, but this, what a what a moment that must have radically, radically beyond imagination transformed the universe. That God Himself became a part of it. Well, it, absolutely. I mean, it, it's uh, it's very easy to dismiss as a single point in history, something that just happens. But you're right. When you think of the actual magnitude of it. That the God who is everything, the only necessary being, hmm. who is pure spirit, decides to take on matter, yes. which is not part of his nature, but he decides oh. to do so for a very specific purpose, which is to allow his creation, which was created for the intended purpose of being adopted in, in union, in union yeah. with him, yeah. which rejected him, but still yes. he, he... So, look, time out. This is good stuff. So his creation, not just his creation, rejected him. What was there a spokesman for this creation? Adam. <laughs> so man, well, Adam is another name for man, or Earth man, is or was the spokesman for all of creation. The entire universe was sort of personified in this creature called the human being, who was given a choice because he is personal. Persons choose; they freely choose either love or not love. So. So, in a sense, Adam spoke for the universe in saying yes or no to God. If he said yes, the universe would have been transformed with divine life in a way that we can't understand, which will occur, right, on, the, on when Christ comes back again. The second coming. In the transformation of the universe will happen then. Yes. Now, now here's, the, here's the real kicker. But, but between the first coming and the second coming, or, or between Adam and the second coming, a whole lot of sin got in the way, didn't it? Yes. Oh, yes, it did. And, right. and it really started from the first sin, which at first glance uh, can seem very uh, innocent and not mm. that big a deal. Uh, what does it mean to eat a piece of fruit? Well, of course, uh, you can also think of it this way, is those whom much is given, much is expected, right? So that even something that very, seems very small can actually be immensely huge as far as its magnitude. So if you, if you have someone with a natural, perfect knowledge... So right now, for example, science says uh, we only use a small fraction of our brain power, yep. our, our mental capacity. And you've got to wonder if that would have been the case had original sin not occurred. Uh, right. It, yeah. in, that's right. And then, of course, we also think of our physical capacity. For example, we only use a certain portion of our strength, yep. our capabilities, and, and all these things. It's, it's assumed that Adam and consequently Eve as well too would have had these, these perfect intellects natural perfect intellects and all their progeny and all their progeny as well too mm. from that from that common parentage and and so when in that in that perfection of intellect not in the same way that angelic might have a perfect right, intellect right, right. but certainly far greater than ours they when they say no and and they give in to their lower passions and appetites Rather yeah. than letting their will rule over, uh, uh, which they knew better of, right? They they ate the fruit, 
and reap the consequences. It was a huge sin because, yes. like you said, they didn't have inner um, inner turmoil like we do, or, or inner uh, disordered desires, or what theologians call concupiscence. So their sin was a sin of pride. It was a direct challenge to their Creator. I do not want to serve is sort of what they were saying. Yes, not in, not in so much perhaps the direct way that Satan would have, but certainly enough that they say, I want to know good but, and good and evil. But it was the devil in this form of a serpent that told them, hey, if you eat from this forbidden fruit, you will not die. You will be like gods who know good and evil. Well, and the, the funny thing what? is, is that in itself is actually pale... Uh, pale in comparison to what God actually intended to mm. actually invite them into union. So not just right. gods as in like some Greek pantheon where you'll be like others, yeah. but rather will they actually enjoy this union with the one true yeah. all-powerful God, which far surpasses any of those other uh, pantheons of gods. True. What they gave up was, Im- was immense, but what they thought they were getting was, hey, I can create my own reality. I can create my own morality if I don't have to listen to God. I can do my own thing. Well, it sounds, a lot, so <laughs> sounds a lot like what's going on yeah, uh, sounds these like, days. Yeah, it sounds like modernism. But the, the, the serpents, you know, made this very attractive to them, and they fell to it, and of course, the rest is literally history. Um, but the first coming was for purposes of taking on a human nature to lead humanity back to God, right? Yes. Okay, and so so Advent remembers the first coming and its purpose, to be led yes. by Christ back to God. God. God came to die in order that we might live. And during the Advent season, we not only remember the first coming, but we anticipate and look forward to the second coming. Yes. Want to elaborate a little bit about what that is and how that relates to heaven? Well, so in the second coming itself is really the uh, the culmination, uh, the uh, the uh, oh, what's what's a good word? We'll just use culmination of okay. of what the heavenly life would be like for for people. Mm. So if someone were to die now, uh, before the second coming, there'll be a disembodied soul. And if they are saved, and let's say they mm. they, uh, they they are all cleansed out in purgatory, they're up in heaven, they have a natural perfect happiness according to their capacity as disembodied souls, but they are still not yet complete. Yeah, so, so death is, in a sense, an unnatural state of incompletion for the human being. It is. We're not meant to be just spirits like angels. That's correct. Right. We are spirit matter composite, and so... What, so that which is missing ultimately desires to be fulfilled in completion. Uh, there's right. this, uh, I forget the passage and where it is, but there's this uh, part in scripture where it talks about all of creation groaning yes. uh, for the coming of God. Yes. And so there, even our creation, our being desires that completeness. And would you say that the souls that are in heaven and in hell also desire that completeness right now? In a certain sense, yes. See, even even the damned, because their nature is, is still to be complete, even if they've rejected God. So at least in the natural sense, there is a certain... So then, as Aquinas would say, you can't really call somebody who's in heaven or hell right now a human person or a human being. You'd really have to call them a human soul. Because we... soul and body together is what makes a real human being. 
you, you, I think you could uh, say that they are still a human person. Uh, the, the soul is the first principle of the body. So the person, for example, could exist. But are they a human being? The, in the fullness of being, no, they are not. Because their being so is there's, both. So there's something in the human being that survives, but they're not, they're not a human being since human beings are body-soul composites by, by definition. Correct. Correct. Okay. Not not in not in the fullest sense. They're they're uh, incomplete. They're disembodied souls at that point. Okay. So then, disembodied souls after death anticipate the second coming of Christ. Yes. Uh, so that everything will be complete and finished. This this redemption. Uh, this this buying back. This 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 whole exercise of. Um, I guess I guess the whole redemption process, which happened after Adam and will cease to happen when Christ comes back again. So, in a sense, all creation will be at peace for the first time since the first moment of man's creation. Yes, I, I would definitely say so. Because things will be made perfect, will be made right. I, I would say yes. Now, what that is, that, of course, is another question. Uh, because, really, our, our sense... Experience our all our knowledge has its roots in our sense experience in the world. But everybody seeks perfect justice. We do, and everybody. It's it's really fascinating how it's universal that s- most people love movies, stories, novels that end with and they lived happily ever after. Like you don't get that you don't get that in this life. Where does this desire of the human heart to live happily ever after? Where does it come from, and how is it satiated? I think it's innate to our nature. And uh, therefore, uh, if you don't find it in this earthly life, where do you get it? Well, hopefully in the next. Hopefully in yes. the next. That, yeah. That's the thing. And of course, and again... It, so in other words, every heart uh, anticipates and hopes for, for heaven. That, yeah. uh, by uh, naturally, we naturally. would. And, and then, of course, what really needs to happen is that our will, our yes. whole being, has to follow that in the right direction. And that's why that's why Christ came to the earth the first time to tell us and show us the direction. Yes, yes. yes. So he provides the example. Yeah. Uh, he he has sound wisdom teaching. Yes. First, and then of course he follows through, and he allows himself to be yeah. sacrificed. So and he showed us the way, and, but that's the secondary part. The the primary part is that he sent us his spirit so that we can be divinized in order that we can live the truth because we can't in our fallen nature live the truth that he showed us without divine grace is it is well, that, that, is that well true? that's that would i would say that's very fair to say uh, without mm. without assistance we by left to our own devices we would fail each and every time so so he came to show us the way and then to die on the cross in order to send us his spirit so that we can be filled with divine life in order to truly follow him the right way. It's, it's sort of like saying, I, you know, I'm gonna, I want you to walk over um, Mount McKinley um, and I want you to do it by tomorrow. Uh, you know, if I don't give you the means to do it, you know how to do it, but there's no way you can. So then would you say Christ gives us, shows us the way and gives us the means? Absolutely. Not just one or the other. Absolutely. The, the, the showing the way, of course, we see an example, his teaching, uh, the means, as, as you also know, he gave us the spirit. And how is that most perfectly communicated? 
by the ordinary means is what we call the sacraments. And that's something that you will see in the fullness in, in both the East and the West. Uh, so in your, your Latin Rite Church, for example, as well as a lot of your Eastern churches, your Orthodox will have it. For example, uh, baptism. So baptism is, is the, in a certain sense, the most important of the sacraments in so much as that without it, the others are not possible. Mm. And, it's, and it's so powerful that it actually can restore people at that very moment uh, to a union with God, in, in as much as is possible in this life. Well, I mean, baptism restores that union, gives us the means, or the, the spiritual strength, but there's still that desert in front of us. Yes, there the, is. The, the thing we call life. Very few people yeah. die immediately after <laughs> baptism. <laughs> right. So... So our consistency or perseverance in that relationship with God is really how you get to heaven, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And that's of course, mm. comes to the, 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 four, the uh, virtues. Uh, mm. So, as mentioned earlier, the choices, the decisions that we make in this life ultimately point us towards where our ultimate trajectory is. Now, can people, of course, change at the last minute? It's possible, but yes. quite frankly, our human nature says it's not likely left to our own devices. Mm. Uh, so, so that's why if one, for example, pursues a virtuous path rather than one full of vice, then those virtues predispose that person towards a heavenly destiny. So then it's importance with every... It, it really doesn't make any sense to do anything or to choose anything, even get out of bed in the morning. If you if you don't know the end for which you are living, <laughs> so in, in in other words, every choice needs to be for, or at least a tra the trajectory should be towards going closer to that particular end. But if you don't know the end, where are you going in life? It would certainly be very aimless, I would say. Very aimless and lost. Yeah, and you would say that every human person doesn't have their own ends. We all have a common end. Yes, we do. And that common end is what? Heaven. Heaven Heaven is the common end which we are destined for by our nature. Now, whether or not we get there, that is another story. That has to do with our choices? Yes. I need to choose to listen to that music and take one more break. But when we get back, within a moment, we will uh, experience the crescendo of Beneath the Surface tonight. My guest, John Tudoris. Paul Morano here with my producer Cindy Annis. Be back right after this break. Nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero. Our phone number. Thanks for joining us again here till eleven o'clock. Paul Morano, John Tudoris, beneath the surface tonight here at WCAP, talking about heaven. Yep. Talking about heaven. What is it? How do you get there? And, um, John, Scripture says that the road is narrow. Yes. Does very. it not? Yes, it does. The road is narrow uh, to heaven. The road to perdition, a.k.a. H-E double hockey sticks, also known as hell, is wide and many take it. The road is wide and many take it. Why? It's easy, actually. Yeah. It, it's, it's sort of default if you don't if you don't um, think about it or persevere. You just sort of go along with the culture. You'll probably end up there. 
pretty pretty much. I, I recall this uh, little blurb from uh, G.K. Chesterton who said, only dead bodies flow downstream. And so, of course, it takes a live person to swim against the stream. Yes, it does. A live human being that makes choices and that doesn't just go with the flow. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I know at the beginning of Christianity, the first few centuries, it seemed like most people thought, well, most Christians, uh, most followers, disciples, thought that uh, most of the worlds went to hell. Uh, it seems like in modern times, even within the church, that has kind of flipped. It, the, the feeling is that most people go to heaven. Um, do you think that the, the, the reality is somewhere in between, or what do you think? Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, I would say my own personal opinion is it's actually very dangerous to say uh, if most are in one or the other. Yeah. Uh, so even though... That's a great answer, by the way. Uh, right, yeah. and, and the reason why is even though Scripture, uh, if taken at face value, as far as, for example, the road mm. is, yeah. is wide, many go it, versus for perdition... Mm. And for heaven, it's a very narrow path, and few take it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that only yeah. those go to heaven. Now, of course, we reap th- we reap the yeah. rewards of our own choices. And Jesus said that there are, my my uh, yoke is easy, my burden light. So, and but he but he continually uh, warns us to stay awake. So I, I think that's a trick behind it. It is spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, stay awake. Don't allow yourself to be swept up by the world. I Yes. And and, mm. and I would say, if we take everything just at immediate face value, right? Mm. So, for example, if we say, okay, God God came to this earth, yeah. he established one church, it's, re, it's necessary for you to be in that church and to essentially, what we say, die in a state of grace in order to uh, enter into heaven, right? So, yeah. basically, dying in a state of grace just means dying, desiring to be with God. Uh, and and not to be uh, in hell, and so if we were to just take all that on face value and say, okay, well, well let's look at the numbers in the world. All right, how many mm. are Christian? How many are actually practicing, right. etc. We would actually say that most, if we stop right there, yep. go to hell, right. not heaven. Right, right off the bat. Yep. Now the other part, and this is where I put in the caveat, is one is we don't know the nature of people's souls the way God do. We can't right. see their intellect, their mind. Uh, we we don't actually have the capacity for God's mercy too, mm. as far as uh, so if there's any which way that this person can be saved, he will do it. He will do it. Now if we still reject him, that that is on us. And, and yeah, so so God, I mean even the church teaches that um, any person, um, Catholic or not, Christian or not, um, any person who genuinely lives by the dictates of their conscience, who seeks what is true and good and loves what he understands, he or she understands to be the divine, uh, that person has a, a chance for eternal life. They, they do. Now, of course, if their heart is open to this divine life that we talked about correct. earlier, which is called grace. Exactly. Grace is the bottom line here, isn't it? And there has to be a certain intellectual honesty, too, right? So if someone, yeah. for example, 
uh, says, "Oh, I, I, I wanted, I want to do good, or what have you," but they're they're willfully ignorant, for example. So there's mm. this term, invincible ignorance, yes, which basically means that this person really just didn't actually have that chance. For example, um, but if someone has that opportunity and refuses. They're actually responsible for that lack of knowledge. So, in other words, Christ came to the world to establish a church. Yes. Anyone who who dwells in that church and dies in a state of grace will be saved. Um, however, because of invincible ignorance, there are a lot of people who either never heard of um, Catholicism or um, heard of it in a very faulty way. Somebody, somebody, or somebody's. Um, presented Catholicism to them in a very uh, un-Catholic way, and they they have a misunderstanding of it, perhaps. Um, these people might be acting, uh, remaining outside of the church through no fault of their own. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? It, it's possible. The the other thing to keep in mind, and, and is that there are uh, many who would say that invincible ignorance is not as easy to come by as some may think. Uh, because, I mean, if we have at least some formation of reason mm. in, uh, for example, we can say, boy, you know, that it looks like it might be true, but if I'm avoiding that, I'm, I'm yeah. responsible for that. So you're saying, that, and this is very important, there's a big difference here between voluntary and involuntary ignorance. It's a huge difference. Yeah. I might be ignorant that the church is the way to salvation that Christ established. But is that ignorance voluntary? In other words, I'm too comfortable where I am to, to do anything about it. That's voluntary ignorance, so I don't want to hear about it. Oh, sure. But involuntary ignorance is somebody who, say, grew up in a situation and was... Well, why don't you give me an example of, of involuntary or invincible ignorance? Uh, well, we'll use a, perhaps a, a, a clear-cut example if I'm over in some... You know, tribe in South America, Africa, and, and of course, at this point, at some point, um, we would say some degree of Christianity has been exposed, to even mm. these tribes. Right. But let's just assume there wasn't. They're completely cut off from the world, mm. uh, but they have a certain natural sense of I, I'm doing right by my fellow man. For example, I'm yeah. I'm I'm uh, I practice virtue. I don't steal. Right. I I take care of my family, etc., and do all these good natural things that are good. I look out for my tribe. I'm even generous to those who are not in my tribe because I see people in need. And and they haven't had a chance to understand, for example, that God uh, came and desires for them to be in heaven uh, in that fullness. God, in his perfect mercy and perfect mm. knowledge of all things about us, even not just as people in general, but as persons yeah. as individuals, persons as individuals, we'll see if there's any way that this person can be saved to be in union with him, because he knows and he can read their heart to the finest degree. So, Christ came down to establish the Noah's Ark of the world so that we can get through the deluge uh, to the other side, which is heaven, to use an analogy. Yes. Okay. Um, those who are not on the ark uh, may be saved by lifeboats. If they, if through no fault of their own, they didn't know about the ark, they didn't know that it was what God sent them to be saved. Yes, and okay. one, of, one of the keys on that... But it's is not as easy. No, it's, yeah. no, in fact, it's much more difficult. And that's why I say, one reason why I say it's, 
it's very important to not to presume invincible ignorance yes. at all. Okay. Um, so to recognize that it's there, but if one presumes that, yeah. and inevitably you would be putting in other people in danger, and not just ourselves. Um, and it's a it's somewhat of a uh, I have to be honest, it's a lazy way to go about it, to say, sure. oh, they're, they're probably, it's better that they remain invincibly ignorant. There's a greater chance they'll get to heaven. Oh, come mm. No, no, no. Yeah. That there's actually a greater chance that they won't make it. And because we operate in that lazy way, there's a greater chance that we ourselves will not make it because we are not fulfilling a certain responsibility to do good towards others. Yes. Which, which is communicate the truth. Yes, the fullness of the truth, so it's easier for them to attain salvation. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Very politically incorrect, but we shouldn't care about that. Hugely politically incorrect. Okay. I, I completely agree, but yeah. much very necessary. And politically correct yeah. can go stuff it. The virtue of courage seems to be missing today, or at least very uh, low on... Uh, you don't see it that often in a time that you really, really need courage because the message of salvation is being completely distorted by the media and academia uh, in, in ways that are unprecedented. I, I would completely agree with you on yeah. that. Uh, the, okay. the list is actually too numerous to go over in the yeah, show. Of course. Uh, a whole nother show for that. Yes. Notice how I said a whole nother? Isn't it a whole other? Uh, another is more another. of a, uh, with an <laughs> apostrophe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. yeah, yeah sir. All right. Nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero. If you want to get involved in our conversation, we only have six minutes left. Um, all right. So, so John, it is the natural, or uh, I would say, the natural or supernatural end of the human person, and to be fulfilled in the beatific vision after this life in heaven. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that is the end to which all of our actions here on earth should be pointed to. Yes. Okay. Um, now, um, what? I guess I'll go right to the opening, the question that uh, that, that the show is is named after, and that is, what is heaven? Uh, so heaven, union with God, uh, which I, I think we mentioned. So, but what does that mean, union with God? So that that is our nature is uh, infused. With divine life, so it's not just a natural life which we have right now, but it what we would say is a supernatural. But you life. say you say that uh, being in the state of grace when we're here on earth, we can be infused with supernatural life to a degree. Okay, uh, to a degree. That's the, that's the that's the trick in understanding this. Exactly. So we're, we're, there's always a part of us that is not in full union with God here on earth. That is correct. We would say right. that now here on earth we are still filled with potential or potency. Uh, whereas even in the state of grace, even yeah. even in the state okay. of grace, whereas in heaven, if we if we are in heaven, we would say we, we are fully actualized, ah. uh, at least as far as there's no more potential there, no more potential for fulfilling our being. Exactly, where we, however big our cup got, that's it. It's capped off right there, but it is filled uh, to the brim and overflowing. Let me read you something from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4, because uh, this, is the, uh, this is the Apostle John in his, in his uh, vision. It seems to me he's speaking about heaven here, when he says, um, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, God's dwellings with the human race. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, 
and God himself will always be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and they shall be, there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. That's right. No death. That's a beautiful passage, isn't it? No suffering. Very beautiful. Death, so no, no death, mourning. no suffering, no, no need for mourning at all. The old order, which is filled with suffering, mourning, and pain, which we're living now, will have passed away. Completely gone. That, that, that order of life, which is filled with sin, every, ever since mankind ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he introduced evil into the world. And that order, which has been around for many, 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 many centuries, will be will have been passed away, and there will be nothing impeding the very life of God for us in our souls, in our bodies, um, which is really uh, that which fulfills us. Yes, uh, there there will be really nothing left. So if there's no suffering, there's no death, really what is there to mourn? I mean, why do people mourn at all? Oh, I got hurt. Oh, yeah. my friend died. My dog died. Something is missing in their life. Exactly. Yeah. There, there won't nothing, be anything missing at no, all. Nothing will be incomplete. Emotionally, physically, nothing. Spiritually. That's correct. And, and of course, uh, as far as... Uh, to continue on that, so yeah. it's not just the disembodied soul right. and sort of this uh, temporary spot, if you will. We're really the fullness of heaven is again going back to Revelation, where it talks yep. about heaven and earth kissing, yes. if you will. So and, so, and so, when Christ comes back again, <clears throat> bodies will be raised. Yes, the universe will be transformed, and both in ways that we can't imagine. They'd be so beautiful and so wonderful, uh, and. <clears throat> Sin will be completely eradicated, and there'll be nothing but happiness and joy. Yes, that's a good place to be. <laughs> Desire it. Yeah, See? and that's that's what God always wanted for us. Yeah. All we have to, you know, if we don't say no to Him with our lives, then we'll be with Him. Absolutely. And when we fall short, ask for mercy always. Sacrament of confession. It's a great place to be. Thank you, Mr. John Tudoris. Good show. Good uh, good way to end it. And. Uh, Upbeat, hopeful. Absolutely. Yes. Heaven is very hopeful. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Heaven. Beneath the surface. <laughs> Actually, it'll be way above the surface. Thanks for listening to us tonight. See you again next week. Paul Morano, my guest, John Tudoris. Uh, have a great week. And uh, Cindy's Vinyl Vault coming. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.